0: All right, hey everybody, we are here today with an actor, vocalist, and good buddy for a long time, B.J. E. Englard. How you doing, man?
1: All right, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. So, you you and I
0: have been friends for a bit since high school, and we, we lived...
1: I think, actually, eighth grade.
0: Maybe eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, when you guys moved to the street. Right. Yeah, that street, right? It's like, it's like the block in uh, LA or something, it's gangster. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so we lived on the same block and we, we had a kind of a couple of us. My brother was included, Dan, and then I, we have another buddy, Mike, Mike Ensminger. we've all kind of been friends for a while and stayed in touch or whatever. That's really cool.
1: Um, where do you live right now? I live in Chicago. Um, my wife and I, we have a condo on the, um, north side, uh, three blocks from Lake Michigan. And... Going on ten years of living in the city, mm-hmm.
0: and you—you've been for a while. You've worked with the colleges, right, for your for your job. Yeah, yeah. yeah I
1: have a, you know pretty much since I graduated from college, I've had a day job in um, working for a university. Uh, started at my alma mater, Valparaiso uh, University, for a year, um, and then the past uh, about ten years now um, have been at the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. Cool, man
0: yeah and so so you and I had uh, we were obviously friends from being living living together and going to high school but uh, you and I first of all uh, ended up uh, we were at the same church both of our families went to the went to atonement Lutheran mm-hmm. and one thing that I personally thought was really neat is um, we had a of a cool little youth group going on there mm-hmm. during high school um uh so we had a choir
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and then we also for me i had we had a little mini strings group that had some some of us that played for a while but uh we had kind of a little little youth youth group going on there so, uh, can you can you talk about that some of your
1: some memories yeah. from that or i think it's the cool cats mm-hmm. is what we're talking about mm-hmm. here, yeah the, the the church choir and um, we also had the the brass group right uh, Deb Cool which I played trumpet for Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I think I started uh, singing at atonement in the youth choir uh, sixth grade yeah wow Uh, funny story about that Um, you know I was I was one of those kids who you know wanted to be cool wanted to be a you know wanted to play sports Mm -hmm. um, you know music seemed a little too nerdy for me, Mm -hmm. at least uh, in elementary school, and uh, I was in Boy Scouts um, up until uh, about sixth grade, and um, I was having trouble with uh, passing the swimming test to be able to go on any of, like, the Mm -hmm. the Boy Scout trips and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, and um, I was getting really frustrated about it, and in the process starting to like Boy Scouts a lot less mm-hmm. and so I, I sort of complained about it to my mom and uh, she said well well BJ you can either stick it out in Boy Scouts and figure it out or you got to join the youth choir church mm-hmm. and I was like ah I gotta <laughs> sing yeah. what? and I, th- I think I think my family knew I was a pretty good singer and I, I had like the the genes to be a musician, you know, like singing, um, like in the backseat of the band with my sister and being Mm -hmm. able to like harmonize really easily and stuff like that and and that not being an issue. So they knew that that I had the talent to do it. So I I think it was sort of my mom's way of kind of nudging me into into music. And so anyway, I went with the the church choir uh, Mm -hmm. in sixth grade and you know, uh, kind of the rest is history as far as that's concerned, I mean, we, I guess it was from sixth grade all the way to senior year, uh, you know, six years. Uh, you know, a great group of 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 people really that we worked with. You know, including my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, including, yeah, she's a very good singer. Yeah, yeah. fantastic singer. And still. your dad's a pretty good singer too. He's in the the regular yeah regular yeah.
0: choir at Atonement for for a long time, mm-hmm. right? At least ten years. Probably twenty or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. would not even would not even yeah, I wouldn't even want to guess. Years, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my sister is still singing in uh, a semi-professional group, the William Baker Festival Singers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of our, uh, one of the other cool cats, uh, Michael Carter, that she's singing mm-hmm. with as well. Um, you know, but people that ended up, a lot of people that ended up having some sort of musical career, you know. If mm-hmm. you think about uh, all the people that were there, uh, you know, Everybody, I think, has, has kept music in their life in, in one way or another, and I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's a testament to the director Jane Andrews, who mm-hmm. I think really had a big impact on all of our lives, you know. Um,
0: so so hold on, so because Martha Martha's directing choir, mm-hmm. okay, and then I know Sarah Everson was the choir director at Atonement for a while. Mm-hmm. Sean's teaching, Sean yep. Murphy's teaching, I'm teaching. Um, I know you've done some, you know, some acting and singing. Jenny's still singing professionally. Michael still, you know. So there's like a lot Galo. of us. Gala, yeah. Gala mm-hmm.
1: major to music in college. Yeah. So much. so, so there's like doing, so. Uh, there's a lot of us that were. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we had like one thing that I thought was so neat about that is we had a whole bunch of really good girl singers. You know, there's there's a bunch of them, at least twelve of them, that were really really strong. But I thought what was so cool is we had a, a section of us guys that were very strong. I mean, we had the three Carter boys. You were a good singer, Sean was a good singer. I thought I was a pretty good singer. And uh, we had a really strong like male section too. And um, that was like a whole bunch of people from like the Olathe, Shawnee Mission, Blue Valley area, right? Wasn't that weird that we had so many kids in that like, that, like 95 to 01 kind of age range? Or, graduation you know wasn't that
1: weird uh, yeah I think uh, a lot of churches would, would kill for you know youth singers that were you know not only as talented but also just as engaged as they were mm-hmm. you know I think everybody you know really enjoyed their experience and put a lot into it and you know I mean I mean, we got to do some really cool stuff too you know we got to go on some really neat trips yeah wh- what trips did we go on let's see um I know we did one to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a Colorado trip, mm-hmm. which I, I remember that was fun. We stayed in Hotel Colorado, yeah, which was, I know. the, that was uh, known as being one of the haunted hotels of of the U.S. And so I, I remember really playing that one out. To, I remember you guys trying to get me to open the bathroom door. Do you remember <laughs> that? We were
0: in the we were in the room, and we were all freaked out. I right? mean, we were all messed up, right? Yeah. You go, so we go up to... Uh, we go up to one of the attendants, and we're like, is this hotel haunted? They look at us like, I don't know. We're like, oh, yeah, thank you. That's great, you know. Maybe. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, great. Thanks, buddy. You know, they're scaring the crap out of us, you know, and then you guys wouldn't open the door. And I tried to, I'm like, come on. There's nothing in this bathroom, you know. So, we, I don't know. That was another silly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was kind of prank city on that trip. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the hotel Colorado. Uh, but uh,
0: what did uh, what did we get to do with some baseball games?
1: Oh yeah, we did sing a couple times. Uh, we did play. It was the Rockies. Mm-hmm. I know we sang at the Rockies game. I don't know. Um, and then the White Sox, right? Yeah. We did two national anthems. That's pretty cool, right? I feel like I missed the Sox game. I think. Oh. Because I think um, high school band, I think that was the year we went to Germany over the summer. Oh, that's and right. I think that's I, right. I think a couple of us, like me and Ashley Peterson, and mm. a couple of that were in the South band, had to yeah had to leave early. So yeah, did What's we ever sing a Royals game? What? We ever I don't games?
0: think so. I, I, don't. I know I didn't, yeah. but maybe they did. But but we got to sing it. You know, national anthem at a, like a professional baseball game is pretty cool to yeah. Experience. But uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, um, I just thought that was so. It was something that'll probably never happen again at that church. Just that group of you know, with a really good director and that kind, of, that amount of like talented <clears throat> high schoolers all in the same, yeah, same time frame, and that was just nuts. How did that happen? Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> that's too bad because I mean, there's there's not a lot of other type of outlets where. You know you're going across high schools and school districts and stuff and people mm-hmm. coming together and having that kind of experience so you know i mean atelman is a it's a big church and i know they've got a lot of uh they've always had a, a pretty large youth population but to have that mix of of musicians it was kind of a unique time i think oh really. yeah
0: and i i remember sitting last thing i'll say on that is i remember in rehearsals we were standing next to each other, and I, I couldn't like I couldn't barely sing because I'm laughing so hard, you know. <laughs> or just laughing. I'd mess up, and then you'd start laughing at the. day. You'd mess up, and I'd start laughing, you know, like remember, it just uh, like...
1: blow blow Bethlehem wind.
0: <laughs> <Blow. laughs>
1: I think that was the one that made us all laugh. Yeah, that's because of the the juvenile humor. Yeah, it's
0: weird. I was definitely me. Shaq always talk. Shaq Shaquille O'Neal always talks about it. he was a medium medium juvenile delinquent <laughs> medium level but uh yeah but uh yeah that was really really neat and i know uh, that was i know so you got to sing in choir in high school but that was like my only thing to get to sing like that so that was neat for me to get to actually sing in a choir because i don't always yeah, you know yeah. screwed around at home just singing you know but that was really neat to experience that mm-hmm. and uh to kind of, you know, wait for everybody else to sing something and then pretend you're reading, you know, that kind of stuff. Choir people don't ever do that, do they, that PJ? Never, that never happens. But, uh, so, so talk about, so that was kind of one, like, cool outlet that you got. Um, the other one in, as a youth, was you getting to, you played in band, mm-hmm. right, playing trumpet, and then you also sang in choir at high school as well, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which, which did you like better? Which was or, or do you not look at it like that? I don't like to look at that w- it that mm. way, but, you know, Shawnee South, our high school, I mean, our band was like a powerhouse in mm-hmm. terms of, yeah. especially marching band. Yeah. Um, I think at one point while I was there, we had the largest marching band in the state of Kansas. Mm-hmm
0: like 250 or something I mean yeah with and then with the with the dancers it was just monsters It was like over 300 right
1: and that's you know when you think about our high school being about like 1800 students or something Mm -hmm. like that it was like one-sixth of the high school was involved yeah in marching band so so there was there was a lot of like tradition behind the marching band that you know that that was just really powerful like you felt like you're a part of something really special because it had that tradition, it had the, the reputation of being like one of the better um, marching bands in the state. You know, and so, you know, people were really dedicated to it and, and knowing that we were gonna be able to, you know, be competitive at you know, the, the competitions at um, central Missouri State and Warrensburg, mm-hmm. Missouri and I went I think, with you guys one year, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. And the University of Kansas always had a had an mm-hmm. event that we went to and you know, so we always so so there was a lot of pride in the the Robin Stopp and Raider band, um, and so those those were some really, you know, special experiences without a doubt because of because you know just being being a part of a powerhouse is, is always a, a cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely learned to be more. I became more passionate about vocal music as I went along, and mm-hmm. um, you know I think I realized that that was. More, even more of a strength than um, playing trumpet mm. um, as I went along. Um, but, you know, it didn't start off that way, uh, you know, and I also have another I have another story about mm. getting involved in high school choir where mm. um, I was in, uh, like, a home ec cooking class mm. um, my freshman year. I, di- I didn't even start out in choir because I, once again, did not want to s- sing beyond mm. what I had to do as far as singing, which, mm. you know, even, even with the atonement, I... Uh, Church choir. I wasn't like ready to be like all gung ho about singing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I um, got to like midterms, and I was flunking this uh, cooking class. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember because we we had done a my we had done a we had done group presentations. My group did a presentation about the walk, mm. W O K. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and we had somebody that was really talkative in our group that like. Pretty much talked the whole time, and I didn't get a word in edgewise. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting like a zero on that presentation because I didn't speak during the presentation. <laughs> don't, don't put it off on them, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, once again, my mom was like, All right, I think you need to get out of this cooking class. And yeah, go, that's funny, go dude. and I was like, Okay, fine, that's it, funny, it was man. just like fate was intervening, right? Something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And how many,
0: how many times does that happen to people, you know, where this wasn't, this didn't end up being their path or this ended up being their path, you know, with, with music or whatever. Yeah. And I, like you said, I mean, these two different moments that, you know, kind of, and, yeah. and I think that the bigger lesson there is that we don't like to feel this way. I know a lot of people who get like in trouble with the law or something kind of feel this way where at the time they... They go like oh this is so terrible but then because of that this other thing start you know they, they they have a better life or whatever because of this like failed moment or whatever and that and you just mentioned two of those that are hard to hard to handle and hard to emotionally handle at the time but then look what happens later about the, mm-hmm. the whole fate idea you know I mean I think that's yeah insane you know yeah, I mean, yeah, just yeah. Like,
1: you just kind of like stumble into mm-hmm you know, a future passion of yours, uh, you know, through failing at one thing. And that's (laughs) just how it goes sometimes. Yeah.
0: That's, that's interesting. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you said something interesting that I definitely wanted to talk to you about, because I thought it was so neat that a lot of times, I think over the years we, you know, we, we call them like orc dorks, right? And choir geeks and like these terms that everybody talks about with being in music, but I think you'd probably back me up on this, and you just mentioned this, how, like, I was thinking about this in high school, I'm like, okay, if we've got 1,800 or 2,000, just to make it even, if we've got 250 in the band, and then 300 total with the dancers, we've got 120 kids in orchestra, you know, because we had a monstrous orchestra program, then we got another, whatever, 60, 80 in choir, right, so now we're up to five, yeah, and then I don't know about 100 in theater but at least another 50 in theater because our theater department was not no that's no slouch you know either. So we're talking about more than 500 kids in five, that's that's more than a quarter of the school. You yeah. know, I mean that's nuts, right? And like so I thought that was so cool that in our high school I didn't remember for me especially but I don't remember people like getting picked on for being in music at our school.
1: No, it wasn't that kind of stigma. It wasn't that kind of stigma because there was en- there was enough of a, you know a, you know a, a large group of people that were able to you know stick together and you know have you know have a big say in kind of the, the school in, in a lot of ways that that, that were in music. I mean, um, you know, and even even a lot of our like people that were like some of our sports stars were. And also, like mm-hmm. in marching band as well. Yep. You know, I remember, you know, days of uh, of football games. You know, you know, seeing the like the football players who were in marching band wearing their uniforms that day. I was yeah. Like, yeah, this is a pretty big number. You know, right? Like, this yeah. is not like it. It wasn't. There was no, It wasn't like a separation thing. It wasn't like you mm. got you got a total. You had like these total, you know, jock clicks for and total mm. music clicks. I think, I think South did a really good job of, you know, um, kind of intermingling, um, you know, people that had had different interests. And I mm-hmm. think, and it was, it was a, it was a safe place to be able to do that. Oh us. yeah. Yeah. It was really great. And
0: we're talking about Shawnee Mission South, by the way, we didn't really say that, but that's a high school we went to. And, and then the other thing is that like talking about like the dynamics of our school. I remember our baseball team being pretty strong. You know, we didn't really go to state every year or anything like that, but we were pretty strong, and, I mean, name another sport that we were really strong. Yeah, I mean, we were were pretty middle of the road, I think, with most of our, especially football and basketball, we were pretty middle of the road, but band, biggest in the, you know, biggest in the state, orchestra, you know, 14 years of one's a contest, theater department, pretty darn strong. You know, our fine arts were really, really strong, and our sports were kind of, kind of weird, that's just weird, you know, usually, you know, different schools are different, I guess. But yeah, yeah. but it was like, it was like cool to be in orchestra. You yeah. know, it was cool to be in band. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was just really, really neat that our school was like that because we really had like a, almost a pull,
1: you yeah. know? On yeah. it.
0: And so, I don't know, like, I always thought that was really cool. Um, so next thing is that I mentioned our theater department a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You did some shows in high school. Yeah. Specifically, N- name a couple of the
1: shows that you got to do. Well, the first show I did was my junior year. Uh, it was Evita. Mm-hmm. And that was I, in the pit for that. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, I played a bunch of small characters. It was in the ensemble. I mean, it was mm-hmm. my it was my first show. Um, one of my. Uh, choir friends had talked me into mm-hmm. auditioning for Avita and um, it went really well I was the understudy for um, uh, Perone which was avita's mm-hmm. husband and and then as I said I got I got a couple of little solo parts mm-hmm. uh, throughout but um, you know theater had also been something that I was you know kind of reluctant to get into mm-hmm. as well yeah um, you know uh, you know I, I think it's a very vulnerable experience. Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, a really good thing for everybody to have some sort of experience with theater because of kind of the the way it makes you feel vulnerable. How you mm. put yourself out there. You, yeah, you become a character, but you have to, you know, um, find expression through very authentic emotions and, and give it a try. Mm. And, and you know, I think I think there's also a stigma of it. You know, you know, not once again maybe maybe someone being nerdy, nerdy as well, but also music, m- musical theater, not having, um, you know, maybe being a little more feminine or whatever you had. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, when you're in early high school and you're, you know, you want to be a, you, cool you, you want to be a baseball yeah. player right. and stuff. It's like, you know, to, to do something where you're singing and dancing in front of audiences, it's, it's a little bit like, ah, I don't, this is don't, completely lame. I think I could do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I re- I'm really thankful that my friend had talked me into to doing that musical. It was a great experience. And then the second musical I did was uh, Grease, which was spring in my junior year. And um, I had actually been playing baseball my freshman sophomore year, and I, I gave up baseball to be in Grease, to be in, Greece, to be in mm-hmm. Uh you know, which was an incredibly fun role to play. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely say that my favorite characters throughout my theater experience have been the villains, Mm. Uh, because, I mean, the best thing about theater is to play people that are completely different than you are, mm. you know. And so, I know Kaneki's not exactly a villain, but he's right. a tough guy, right? But, right. You know, which is is not my. He's not the name. protagonist for sure. He's, he's not this other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's sort of he's not exactly a comic relief, but you know, he he does play. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's yeah, it's not an antagonist. He's different in that play. He's not the villain, yeah, but he's uh, he's this
0: kind of other character. And so, like, talk about that, that you just said something interesting that you, because I think that's something that, that everybody notices when you watch somebody, like, on the TV when you're acting, and they have this awesome character, you know, the character is not anything that you can make, you know, it's character that there, that there isn't a person who's like this and then you go interview somebody and you're like, oh, that person's dumb. You know, like, because like, you've noticed that, like, on NCIS or, or Lord of the Rings or any movie and you'll see their character, but then you go interview them outside and the best example of this is, like, uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss, right? You see him on stage and he's this persona and then you go meet him outside and you're like, oh, that guy, you know? And, like, I thought that was interesting <laughs> that, you, you know, that's actually him. and then you were talking about how it's more fun to play people that aren't your personality like talk talk more about that what like why is that fun or why do you like that
1: yeah i think um well i mean because i would say that I'm, i'm somebody that it would be really hard for me in real life to be like a jerk, mm, you know. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah, like it's really hard for me that's not in your character. Your normal. It's, it's not in my character yeah. to, you know, get in arguments with people mm. and or yell at people or, you know, um, you know getting into fights or anything right. like that. Right. Um, and I feel like theater is a really awesome space to be able to, you know, to to experience. Something like that—that's completely different than than Mm -hmm. who I am. Like, I mean, my the next show that I did in high school was um, *Damn Yankees*, where Mm -hmm. I played the protagonist, the good guy Joe, Mm -hmm. and I had to be just like a nice guy. And it felt like it felt like it was really hard for me to get into that character because I didn't have to do much to to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, that's weird. Yeah, like I had to work to get to the point of being like the. Hard ass Keniggy. Yeah, like, wow. Like there yeah. was, like there was, there was a, there was a place. There's like a place in the distance that I had to get to. Mm-hmm. Whereas to be like Joe, this like, you know, like nice... regular mid- nice guy, nice yeah. Midwestern guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. That's well. weird. That
0: that's interesting. That you said the person that was most like yourself was actually harder Very to deal much with. So. Yeah. That that's really interesting.
1: Because I don't feel like I'm. Because because then to a certain extent I don't feel like I'm acting. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I'm actually doing anything.
0: Right. That's, a, that's interesting. See, I think a lot, of, a lot of people that aren't actors would think that's opposite of what they would think. Yeah. You know, they, they would think that they would want to do, you would want to put, uh, you would want to put the rock in action movies, protagonists, so he doesn't have to do anything. You know, he can just be himself and that, that's just weird that you said that. Yeah. Um, you said something else really interesting about being, like, vulnerable out there, which I think is really interesting that that's pretty much, I, I would guess, that that's pro- probably the number one reason why people wouldn't want to act. Oh, yeah. Right? Is because you have to, like, emotionally handle that idea of being vulnerable. I mean, what what makes you want to do that? What, what What makes somebody, like, what skills do they need to have to be willing to do that on stage
1: you know I think I think that um, to be a successful actor you have to be you have to get to a point where you're not even self conscious about mm-hmm. being up there on stage yeah. or self conscious about how you're being and you know, how 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 people are perceiving you yeah like Acting is is about truly giving yourself up to a you know an idea or emotion, and and living it as truthfully as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be a person that you know that can get in touch with a, a, you know a, an emotional level. Um, you know, and I, there's different techniques of how people can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's techniques that are you know built around the idea of you know. Remembering, you know, say if you're trying to get to us like a like a sad, depressed emotion, like thinking about something from a from a lot from your life experience sure. that that that, that br- brings about those emotions for mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, there's there's method acting where you you know while you're preparing for a show, if you're you know, say playing a homeless person, you actually go, go be homeless sort yeah, something. Right. I mean, certainly for a, a high paying gig, I can yeah. see that being, being worthwhile. Yeah, you, you
0: could go, you
1: could go crazy on that. You could go, a- you, a- you a- go a- really a- and, crazy and, you know, yeah. and then, you know, there's, there's a method that I took a few classes in called Meisner, which is about, um, it's about doing a lot of one-on-one work with somebody and, um, and it's a lot about letting go of of kind of your self, self-consciousness and, um, you know, just trying to connect emotionally with with person in the most basic way possible. So it's sort of like I start talking about what I'm seeing from you, like, you know, you seem perplexed, and then you would repeat back to me, I seem perplexed, you seem perplexed. And you just kind of, like, uh, organically do this, like, where you're, trying to get in touch with what the other per- what, what you're seeing in the other person. And they're like pushing it back on you and you kind of have this like back and forth so that it, it almost mm. becomes kind of like this kind of um, kind of like this Zen kind of experience of like just, you know, um, kind of uh, going into this like hypnotic state of, of like trying to connect with another person emotionally you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, yeah,
0: that's, that's interesting. That's totally different from the other one, sort of. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um,
0: cause that one you're, you're doing, you're letting somebody else kind of help you with that process. I think the, the diving in yourself, that's all you, right. Or definitely yeah. the, the finding the, Finding the emotion from your past is again all you, but now yeah. you're like really using another person to like get into your character. It's exactly. like a teamwork kind of thing. That that would be totally different.
1: I yeah, think. and in most shows, you're you're trying to um, emotionally connect off of another person. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. unless you're doing like a monologue, you are, right. you know, you are having, you know, if if somebody's in a show is making me angry, I have to find a way for you to help. Make me angry. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, Like I have to actually f- yeah. try and feel that from the cues that you're giving. Me. Yeah, wow. You know, and and so yeah, I think that's really hard for people. I think you know, I think uh, you know, um, you know, emotional vulnerability is is a challenge for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I um, and I can't say that it's still not a challenge for me in some ways, but uh, yeah. in, in real life, but. Um, you know, theater helps you to say oh, it's okay to feel these things. In some yeah. ways, you know, wow. it's okay for me to feel angry. It's okay for me to feel sad and talk about it. And right. um, and so, so it's it's been it's been cathartic at different points in my life where, you know, I mean, the the challenges of growing up in high school and and you know the chaoticness of college and the chaoticness of your first years out of out of out of college and being in the real world, mm. you know, to have theater was always a nice thing because it was a, it was a it was a healthy outlet for you know emotions that I might be feeling in my oh, yeah. you know, daily life, you know.
0: Yeah, I know. I was watching an interview with uh, Brad Sherwood and Colin Mockery from the Improv, uh, the Improv guys, and they were talking about something that was really interesting about because they said a lot of comedians use. The comedy is their armor for all the emotion, you know, and that, and that's how they that's how they don't feel any of the emotion, and they were talking about how they almost feel jealous of the other guys that can wear it on their sleeves so hard, like in the, the the people that are dramatic actors that can wear that on their sleeves so hard on stage, and they said that they would be terrible at that because they they built up this idea that they can just say jokes and now I don't have to feel the pain, but you're talking about actually using the pain and and trying to, trying to like, not to brush it off all the time, but kind of really use it. And I know I try to think about this when I'm playing music, when it's like, I don't feel sad right now, but I'm playing Schindler's List right now, you know? So you've got to like, kind of like, I feel like you've kind of got to like, make yourself feel sad. In some way, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a kind of an obvious thing to say, but, but it's, that's kind of weird for people to kind of make yourself come to the music, not the other way around, sort of, like, mm-hmm. and, like, that's just crazy to me that actors, like, because I'm talking about sort of not smiling and sort of playing emotionally. You guys are, ta- you know, actors take that to a whole, you know. Yeah. DEFCON 4 you know I mean you guys take it to a whole other level that I think would be really hard for people to do
1: yeah 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 even I mean even my experience of playing the trumpet it, it was a different experience you have in one instance I had a I had an instrument to somewhat hide behind it you mm-hmm. know? and and once it becomes your voice it becomes your body um, you can't you can't hide behind mm-hmm. the instrument you know my mom
0: talked about that too with singing. She's like, there's nothing. You got nothing yeah. there, you know? It's like she, you know, you, it's you if you mess it, you know, you don't get to hide behind your drum set or even us with a violin and trumpet, you know? I mean, you can feel, it's very, very comfortable, you know, like a little yeah. freaking blanket or something, you know, where you can kind of, you're, yeah, you know, all nervous, but you have this trumpet and it's a, uh, okay, I'm, I'm holding it together here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I remember uh, one of my because uh, we had already been friends, and then you did Evita, and so I'm sitting in the pit, right, and I'm looking up on stage, and you're it was the it was the Ava Perone song or whatever, and so you're you're standing there, and you're like one of the you know, security guards, you know, and you, you kept putting your, you were just, it was just funny to watch you act, you know, as you know, you're doing all the motions and stuff. And then what was the, oh yeah, the, um, where you guys are all in the, your English outfits or whatever, you and Kevin Stocker or, or whatever that guy's name was. Was it like
1: soldier wear? Was I, no, so it was, it was the other one. You guys
0: were all in, in proper dress and mm-hmm. uh forced us to be blunt or whatever you remember Avengers that or something like that yeah you, you guys were it was eight of you guys stay all standing there doing that real proper like english mm. yeah uh, that was another funny moment just watching you guys because you were
1: uh i think i played like an old guy with a beard right
0: <laughs> and then you did the the marching one right with marching all the the or all the soldiers right yeah yeah But that was just funny. It was just funny, fun watching you watching the act because I'd never seen you act before.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was Mm. you know it's um, you know shows like that are are fun and and you know it's it's less about what we were just talking about of like you know emotionally connecting with the part and more about just kind of like being able to do like five different people Mm. in one show. Oh yeah, just kind of almost being able to let loose with it, which is, it's a different experience. Oh, because, yeah. Uh, you know, cause you're not, you know, you're not going to create an entire backstory for like the banker that you play for like two, a minute. Yeah. Four lines. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you're still going to have fun with it. You know? Right. So like, all right, I'm going to be this proper English gentleman. Right. <laughs> and then now I'm a
0: bodyguard. you right? Yeah. Man, now no, I'm no, just, no, like, just yeah. like,
1: just like, just like, Old, scraggly guy, and like have to pretend to like walk with a hunchback, basically. Yeah, yeah that's
0: that's silly. So, so real fast to, to finish up with that. What is it, since you've been a, a person who's done like lead roles, and then you've done like there's these moments where you're in a play and you're five different people, and then now you're in the choir, and then you're back doing the. Now I'm the, the hobo again, and then now I'm back up being a soldier. Like, you know, what what's the difference in those shows of mm. the challenges or whatever? I, I guess you've already kind of talked about. Yeah, that yeah. A I mean, bit.
1: It's, it's more challenging to stay connected to uh, the show when you are kind of the ensemble and mm. you're playing the five different roles. Um, you know, just because um, you you don't you don't have to emotionally dive in as much. Um, when you when you play like the one the one role the the lead or the supporting Mm -hmm. actor um, you kind of have to stay with it as much as possible kind of throughout the show you know Mm -hmm. um, to stay to stay emotionally engaged you know and you know so you know when you go backstage you know instead of you know when you're when you're the ensemble you can you know kind of um, you know just talk it up with the rest of the cast and I get you know, and even some people can play a lead and, and go backstage and you know just um, you know talk it up with other people and have a good time in the green room and stuff like that. But detach a little bit, detach, and then but, come right back. But there. I think for me, it was always like, all right, I gotta stay as mm. much as possible in like focused on um, on the show. You know, I, you know when I'm backstage, and I'm not on the on the stage and. Uh, stay connected to it or else I'm going to kind of lose mm-hmm. lose the thread. In yeah some ways. And, You know so so it is um, So so it's it a big difference in terms of your your connection to um, To the show and, and staying connected and you know, I think you're, you're more bound to you know Forget to do something if you're in the ensemble in some ways and, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, um, Just because you're so like scattered. Yeah, 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 and you're so scared to do that when you're the lead. Oh right, yeah. There's more, way more pressure. Yeah, way more pressure.
0: that's cool, man. Uh, so last last couple things here that I wanted to talk to you about a little bit was, you've gotten so you you went through and you had your, kind of, kid time, you know, where you're doing your choirs and your bands and the the plays and stuff. But since you've been out of college, it sounds like you you have done some kind of professional stuff or or at least. Tried to go for that at one point. You talk a little bit, a little bit about.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, I graduated from college. Um, and, you know, I, I'm from a pretty practical family, so I, mm-hmm. you know, was thinking, practically at first when I graduated, I got a degree in history and secondary education. I was like, all right, I'm going to go out and be a, you know, a history social studies teacher, yeah. and you know, that'll be that'll be good for me and you know, kind of got out and was a, my first job was like a long-term sub teacher and realized that, um, at least for the time being, I didn't want to be like a full-time teacher. It, mm-hmm. it just didn't feel, didn't feel right mm-hmm. for me. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, one thing led to another. I, I spent a year as a admission counselor at my alma mater at Al-Parese University, which was kind of in a small town area outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stayed there in part. I was I had a serious girlfriend at the time, and um, you know wanted to wanted to stay close because she was finishing up college. And and once we broke up, sort of the dam opened up as far as kind of what, what my opportunities were. And I, I think I I became less um, inhibited from you know thinking completely practically, you know. And so mm-hmm. I moved to Chicago and. Did get a full time job, but I, you know, started thinking pretty early on that I wanted to kind of get into the audition scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chicago's not as big as like a New York or in LA, but you know, it still got a pretty vibrant, robust theater and music music mm-hmm. scene. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people that are, um, you know, do in it for the love of the love of the arts as opposed to necessarily trying to create the next big thing. You know, mm-hmm. and so it was. Um, you know, so I started auditioning and, um, you know, got out and got out and, you know, was cast in my first two shows that I auditioned for and, mm-hmm. um, you know, was getting a lot of really positive feedback from people saying, "Hey, you need to, you should give this a go." And, um, you know, so I, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of my job at the time, um, and so, you know, I was, I was getting really sick of it, and so I, and you know, I was in a time of my life where I didn't feel very inhibited to say, Hey, let's just, let's just go for it. You know? And so I had, you know, 2009, I quit my full-time job and I just say, Hey, let's, let's give this a go. Mm-hmm. I auditioned for one of the top agents in the city and, um, got hired by that agent um, to be kind of one of their, one of their talent people. And, um, that was really exciting for me. And, you know, Soon after I quit that job, I got a call back to New York City for a uh, national tour of um, Beauty and the Beast, Mm -hmm. uh, which was, which was a really neat experience and certainly boosted my confidence about, about theater and stuff. Um, um, And yeah, so I had a lot of really great things that, that kind of were in place, but, um, but yeah, it was it, it it came pretty clear to me that the um, kind of the the world of of constant auditioning was was gonna wear down on me. Mm. And, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like doing a, another uh, job interview like every week. You yeah. know, like right. it's yeah. it's like all right, I've got to I've got to I've got to imp- Impress somebody on like a weekly basis, right? And I gotta when I'm not impressing them in an audition I need to find other ways to impress them outside of the audition Mm. So why why was that gonna be a problem?
0: It was just uh, it was draining. Yeah, and what was draining about it like the amount of time that it took or well, you, um, I, I think it's
1: the... I, I mean, I think a big part of it is the rejection. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm kind of trying to get at, you know, of... of the no, it's, it's, and, it's, like, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's you... Um, you know, you audition for 10 things. You feel lucky to get one of them, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, a lot of the time you're just trying to get to the next gig. You know, you're trying to get the next opportunity. Whether that's a, a commercial or you know, a musical, um, anything else, it's, uh, you're kind of like, you're, you're fighting for the next thing. And, you know, I know that, I know that even for me, um, uh, you know, I, I was, I was in a, I was in a situation where I, I had some natural advantages, you know, like, uh, you know, I always hear it from, from women in theater, how, unbelievably competitive it is you know because there's so many women in musical theater that you know look somewhat similar and have yeah, similar quality of, yeah. of of voices and mm. um, you know and, and that's a real challenge now a tall um, heterosexual guy right there's not a ton of us in mm-hmm. in, uh, in musical theater I mean in yeah, you know in in, Not drama, the in dramas football. and stuff <laughs> no, in dramas and stuff you're, you're going to see you're going to see more sure um, you know but in you know in and, and certainly in commercial work you're going to see more but uh, but uh, you know you don't see it as much in musical theater so I had I had some some real advantages and it was still really um, it's still made for a, you know a difficult experience and mm-hmm. the other thing is is you know, certainly in theater, um, until you get to kind of the high ranks, the money is just not really there. Yeah. I mean, you, you do a show where it's a six-week run um, preceded by six weeks of rehearsal, and you know, you're lucky to get like a $300 stipend for that time, you know? Yeah, mean, that's, which, that's, is,
0: which is like, I mean, that's beyond ridiculous for that amount of time, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, 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 you, right. you know you're uh, it's basically just like paying for your transportation <laughs> to and from the yeah. rehearsals and, and shows and stuff. So yeah, um, so it became a labor of love, and you know it, it, it seemed really distant the idea of it being something that was going to you know be of you, you know um, compensation I could rely on or even compensation that would even supplement sort of income I was gonna bring in so um and that was that was a uh, that was a challenge. Um uh, you know, I think uh you know uh the idea of not having the money to, you know, go out on a date or something mm-hmm. if you wanted to, um yeah. you know, not having the money to, to go out with friends, you know, feeling like you you can't spend money on a drink when you go out or something yeah. like that and um, you know, you know I'd, just, just feeling like, and and I think part of it is me being kind of more, kind of conservative with money, and mm-hmm. you know, being allergic to debt and, and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, just in general, like it, it didn't really match my that that whole like, artist, um, auditioning life lifestyle was just not. Um, you want a little bit more security. I wanted yeah, more security. Yeah, 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 I wanted yeah. more security. I wanted to feel like I could, uh, you know, be able to. Buy, you know, buy a condo in the city, or you, mm-hmm. know, um, you know, feel like I could, you know, put put money away for retirement, and that sort of thing. Was, yeah, sure.
0: Sort of you you mentioned something that I, I always think is fascinating because I've noticed this a lot, and I'm sure auditioning for uh, plays and stuff is exactly the same as as me being a band leader and going out to these club owners. And you mentioned the vulnerable word earlier, you know, and that's what I think that word comes to mind when you're sitting here, like putting yourself out there every single audition, and then you may not get it. And you mentioned that percentage that you're talking about. And I know guys have talked to me about like sales in general, and they were talking about if you're getting like when they're selling stuff, if you're getting a third, if you're getting less than a third of the people are taking your product, that means, uh, that you're too expensive. And if you get more than a third of the people, that means you're too cheap or whatever, you know, so that, and you mentioned that idea of doing 10 auditions and then you get like one gig, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and I know there's a lot of people in the world and I won't mention their names, but there's some people in, in my family that have told me about that. They're like, yeah, I can, I couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, putting yourself out there and getting the rejection, rejection, rejection. Oh, we'll take it, rejection, rejection. Like that, that's just, I think that's something that actors and musicians don't get enough credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that some people are not, the only word I can think of is courage. You know, that other people don't have courage to do that, but they think they're awesome. You know, but actors are willing to put themselves out there. I mean, what do you think that's, and that's worth a lot, right? I mean, yeah. in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think actors have to deal with more, like, chaos and uncertainty, too. You know, mm-hmm. musicians, any sort of performing artist. Um, has to have a, a comfort level with that uh-huh. um, with the uncertainty of, of you know um, what's going to be next and you know, um, mm. you, know, uh, you know and also just kind of that ability to put themselves out there you know I, I, I feel like the the actors that I've um, I've come across that I've worked with that have ended up um, you know having careers that have Kind of been somewhat sustainable on mm. a lot of times there are people that you know they they were really able to embrace the chaos mm. you know and they they were okay with the lack of stability yeah and it's uh um you know interesting to see like uh you know one you know and it's interesting like uh you know and seeing seeing people who pretty much have it made but then they you know, they um, kind of leave the leave the industry, or at least, you know, like me would maybe do. You know, as as I do today, some community theater. I sing at a church. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing, and sort of kind of on the side. Some from, sort of the outlet. Yeah. You know, but but people who who haven't made, and they're usually people that have really, you know, really tied to their family, really um, kind of, you know, want to have that, you know, more comfortable, stable. Life, you know, mm-hmm. that you know, you know, even people that have have made it that I've seen, um, who who still struggle with that kind of chaos of mm-hmm. of the performance. And there's there's a book called Audition by um, Michael Chertoff. Uh, it's a really famous book about um, auditioning for shows for for actors. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a like a and A Q&A section of the book, and you know, one of the questions he asks is. Um, should you know you should be an actor? Mm-hmm. And, and he says, "If uh, uh, if you can be reasonably happy doing anything else in the world, you should do it." <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's an awesome you know, quote. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he says, "Like acting is is you need to you need to be in a position where you can't see yourself being happy doing anything else." Yeah, yeah. To to do it because right. because it's uh, it is a labor of love and it's. Um, it's an uphill battle at all times, you know, and so. And your passion gets you through, or
0: sometimes can get you through that, you know, if, if you know, yeah. That's, a, that's an awesome quote, man. I really, really like that because I know the musician world is very similar. I think it there's more, there's more work in general for musicians. I mean, you can go get in a band and play at a stupid coffee house or, you know, <coughs> restaurant, but in acting, I mean, it's, you know, you find a good show and it's, for six weeks of work. You know, I mean, we, yeah, that's, that's nuts. You know, we, we get 400 hour, 400 bucks for like four gigs. Yeah. Four nights total over like four weeks or something. You know, Mm -hmm. so the money is just like, you know, yeah. And we have to do like a half a night, you know, like one night of work. And then we're, and then we've got another 150 hours left in our week but we didn't really have to waste any time. that We still got 150 hours of our week. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's like I mean, it's not it's not like it's good money, but it's it's better. It's uh-huh. <laughs> better, yeah. But so I guess uh last last two things here um did you uh cuz I know your uh your wife is also an actor. And um and have you heard any interesting, like, tidbits about her? Because she's from Britain. And have you heard any, like, th- any stories she's told about, like, acting over in Britain? Or uh, anything that she's said about how they run plays over there? Or, like, compare what she's talked about with, like, comparing British actors to American actors? I mean, you can answer this any way you want, I guess. But have you heard any interesting new things from her? Because just coming from another country?
1: Or... Um. Well, so, I mean, the, the thing about my wife is that she she did her senior year of high school in the U.S., and then she did college in the U.S., and mm-hmm. um, so she spent most of her adult life in, in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she was over in the U.K. for uh, three years while we were dating, um, but she didn't do much acting while she was over there just because... You know, she was trying to save up money to be able to come visit me. And, oh, right. And, uh, she, she yeah, I'd forgotten about that. She kind of yeah. chose the more stable, stability yeah. route, um, right. you know, in that process. Um, you know, but there was a time when she first got over there where she was, like, up until the point she she met me, which was basically like two months until she had to move back, she was starting to think that she was going to um, go to conservatory over there, hmm. um, and um, I think that they're... Over in Britain. Over even. In, yeah. yeah. You know, she was here in the U.S. She was... Uh, her visa was ending and then she was going to go back and she was trying to figure out what the next step was when she got back. And, you know, um, I think uh, the, the interesting difference between kind of the U.S. and the, you know, kind of British acting scene is that um, the U.S., at least to a certain extent I think has has maintained a level of meritocracy um, as opposed to pedigree you know uh, meaning like somebody somebody uh, an actor in the US um, generally doesn't need to have gone to you know one of the top Ugh. art schools yeah. to like get a foot in the door yeah you know these it, people um, Yes, those, those people probably have an advantage in terms of, you know, knowing the right people and getting getting the auditions early on. But, you know, I think you're more likely in the U.S., if you go and see a Broadway show and see an American, you know, you're more likely to see a school that maybe you've never heard of in the U.S., you know, that's like a small-time school, than, say, in the U.K. where I think the, the um, uh, you know, the of the the general feeling is that you have to go to one of like the top conservatories mm-hmm. yeah. to to even get a foot in the door. Yeah, Europe. to even think about and it. And I yeah. do remember when she first moved back, she was she was looking at auditions, and you know it, it seemed like there was some some real barriers in the way. Uh-huh. And, you know, you had to pay f- to be able to even see auditions, and I think that there was, you know, oh. I think that there was some, uh, you know, unspoken. Things about only seeing people that went to certain conservatories yeah, yeah. in the audition. And yeah, and that's I, rough, yeah. And yeah. I and I don't think that happens as much in the U.S. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know that she currently has a friend that just um, from her college. She she went to a, a really small liberal arts school in oh. Illinois, four hundred fifty students, oh, wow. small oh. theater program, and one of her friends from from theater just understudied on Broadway. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and so. So I think um, the U.S. theater scene has done a better job of making sure to see people who have talent. Have talent, yeah, you know, yeah, Based yeah, off based yeah. off of that, like that's that's yeah. kind of what you get. And I, that's and I, cool. I, I think that kind of goes along with just general U.S. versus British stereotypes, like mm. you know, there you know, there's this like um, you know, long history of, of of the aristocracy in 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 Britain, yeah. and there there being like real star class differences, whereas the U.S. has been less about class differences, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's, know? In, that's interesting, man. Um,
0: all right, last one I got for you. Um, I have always been fascinated by getting people to talk about things that people don't usually get to see. So for instance, when, when people are doing shows, they, they have a general idea of what's happening on the stage. And then even musicians like myself, uh, are sometimes backstage at a show before the show, and it's it's hilarious to me. I mean, I'm looking around, and people are like running around, their heads cut off. You know, I mean, they're looking for costumes. They're like trying to re memorize lines. They're you know, there's just like chaos rolling back there. And I've heard of some hilarious stories of stuff that happens like during the show, backstage. You know, stuff like that always fascinates me, or, or the different kind of behind the scenes kind of things that happen. Um, you were talking to me about a uh, about a New Year's gig or something that you were talking about.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think this kind of goes to the whole um, difference between being a uh, being a bit part, like ensemble member, versus having like yeah. of the leads, because you know, I always was just so laser focused whenever I was in sort of a, a lead role um, during the shows that you know I was just so focused on not like missing an entrance or something that mm-hmm. kind of the behind the scenes was at least from my standpoint wasn't terribly exciting but right um, but yeah when you're in a, kind of more in the ensemble role like you know you know you're able to kind of let loose backstage and, and get a little goofy because right. you're not as like engaged and so Uh, so yeah there was this one show i did over the christmas season and um you know i think i think a lot of the people were not terribly excited about doing a show on new year's eve and Mm -hmm. um you know me and one of one of my fellow ensemble members uh we were uh, i can't remember how we how we got it but we you know she brought in um you know, a, a flask of of some booze. And, you know, we were kind of in between scenes. Uh, you know, basically taking taking shots in the in the green room and uh, a big FU to <laughs> sort <of> like, whatever <laughs> New Year's Eve. You know, like, I don't I don't remember us like having a bad show. And, you yeah. Know, actually, to be honest with you, like sometimes having a little bit of inebriation like allows you to just kind of go out there and, and you know. Mm-hmm. Let loose a little bit more, which yeah. you know, can actually be a good thing in theater, right? You know, so um, you know, so there was there was some there was some experiences like that. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's always interesting to see kind of the comfort level that people end up getting. You know, because you're you're in like a dressing room that's like, you know, it's oftentimes you're sharing it with, um, you know, uh, males and females. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Clothes is like flying off, and, you know, there's just this lack of inhibition. You know, yeah.
0: Like, oh. That's really a culture thing, isn't it? I mean, that is not a culture thing in orchestra, right? I mean, there's there's really a culture thing in, in theater of, of the, because I just did, um, what was it? It was Moulin Rouge, so I was in the pit for Moulin Rouge, and I had been around, like, blues guys, you know, playing blues shows and, like, jazz guys and stuff. And everybody's so, like, you know, I'm too cool for this room, you know. They, they've got this certain, like, attitude, and, they, and they're fun and stuff. But then I went over to the theater guys again, and they're all, like, they don't give a crap. <laughs> like, they don't give a crap about, like, what you think about them. You know, they're going to be themselves, and that's so cool. And And that kind of goes with what you said of everybody's just... Everybody's so whatever about like their personalities and they're they're all lovey-dovey and there's there's hugs every five seconds and like, you know it's like yeah. that, that was just there is definitely a fun Atmosphere of being around theater people for like six weeks. It's it's pretty awesome Like it some people yeah. can't handle it, but well you get you it, like, get
1: incredibly close with people it's, it's both like a really great thing and, and both can be a challenge because after the show's over with, a lot of people move on to the next show and yeah. then they're going to be like best friends with like another person, a person yeah. in the next show right. and you like lose that relationship that, right. you know, for some people that can be, I think, I think for me is a challenge is being somebody who kind of prefers to have like a smaller group of really close friends mm. yeah. when, you, when you feel like you've connected with somebody and then you lose track of them because they've done two shows since you did a show right. together and they become best friends with you know other people in another show it's like um you almost feel almost feel betrayed but you you know (laughs) it's i don't i don't think that's i don't think that's necessarily fair but i think it's just sort of like it's just sort of the culture of of how things how things go you know you know Um,
0: this moulin rouge was and this is another thing that we didn't really talk about but there's a whole bunch of levels of the theater right i mean you have to like like in our in in our town like starlight or something would be the example of like a pretty big time theater where you have three thousand people in the audience you know or six thousand and you're getting paid and it's you know but then there's the one that i went to where this this room is like i mean a hundred by 40 you know i mean this is a pretty small room the stage is like 10 by 10 or something right and it's it's small cast and they've kind of made a little theater company there, sort of, and they've hired, they have this big, I'm sure, list of 200, you know, theater guys from around town, they call people up of who they want and what show, and they have this big community that they've made, and so they would not have your problem of, they're they're doing, I mean, I don't know how many they do a year, I'm sure they do at least least 12 a year I'm sure you know they do at least one show a month and so you'd see people you know I mean you might do four shows with them a year you know so you'd probably be seeing the same you know yeah a bunch of your friends you know and you'd be doing multiple shows with them a year so
1: yeah 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 it depends on the the situation Mm -hmm. um you know you know if if you're involved in like with a specific theater company I, I you know I think certainly in Chicago you have i I don't even know the number of theater companies that are there but you're you're usually auditioning for different theater companies and you know ending up with shows with different people and um you know because you're trying to get exposure in front of a lot of different people in the industry Mm -hmm. you know and and having like a diverse resume of working for a lot of different theater companies is going to get you you know that um, audition or that attention when you do like a Audition for like a, a Broadway show or something like that. Because, that many more eyes. Yeah. You know, because it just shows that you've um, you've worked with a real variety. You've worked in a variety of show. It shows you have you know dexterity and versatility and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but yeah, th- I think there's there's a lot of people that get really you know get really comfortable working with with one theater company and. Um, you know, it helps them to kind of stay grounded. And, you know with that with that group of people. You know, Yeah. it Just probably makes sure. them really easy to work with too. There's probably benefits and deficits of that. Yeah. You know, because yeah.
0: because if you get the same three directors that are with this company or one director, you know, I mean, you could they know what you do and you know what they're gonna do and like I mean that can be great too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, uh, what else you got? Anything? Kind of hit a lot of stuff there.
1: But I think I, I think we covered a lot.
0: Yeah, that's cool, uh, man. Well, that's really neat that uh, I know I've been talking to a lot of not serious professionals, but people that are like doing gigging like constantly and t- teachers, you know, that are teaching all year round and stuff. And it's really neat to hear somebody who came from the same kind of high school, general high school experience that a lot of us did, but then. Ended up going a little bit different way, where it's it's now a, more of a love than than a hundred percent, you know, hundred percent money career decision yeah. like it is for me. And so it's interesting for me to talk to talk with people like yourself that are still very much fans and very much uh, doing, you know, doing it on a a kind of part time kind of level, whatever you want to call that. But that's really neat for us to hear from people like yourself because mm-hmm. we can kind of think that we know all and be all, you know, when like a band that, that is gigging six gigs a month and they're, they're you know, doing it pretty hard, but then they don't ever listen to like fans, you know, and ask them what they think or different people that aren't biased by just being deep in it. You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear from people like yourself. So um, this is BJ Englehart. You can check them out on all all sorts of all sorts of stuff in in Chicago and um, and uh, we will be back with whoever the heck is on next on uh, Casey Music Talk. I have no idea who's on next, but it's gonna be some more some more dudes like this. So um, you guys take it easy.